Oh, hey, Janine. Oh, hey, Michelle. How was your week? How's it go? You know, it was fantastic. Uh, busy, but yeah. good. It's finally cooling down here in Ohio, but you know, it's cool. Yes, it is here too, except it's humid as fuck. And I don't know why. <laughs> you got our humidity. <laughs> Sucks to be you. Sorry, it's, I'm just kidding. I love you. It's still humid but... though. It's still humid in Ohio, right? Like, I... Not currently. What does that mean though, relatively speaking? It's like, still pretty dry. Hold on, let me look. Let me like, yeah, what my percentage, weather app. What percentage? Let's compare. And listeners, right? sorry, we're recording this at a different time from when it'll come out. So it's, we'll it's get about, more on schedule. It's like fall as, time right now though. We're, you know, we're moving into, we're about to be in the fall equinox. Okay, so it is 64 and it feels like 64. So we're going to have a real low humidity today. Oh, 82% humidity. Okay, we're at 60%. So that's very high for, for us in Denver. I guess because it's been like 90% humidity, like the last like month, it's been miserable. Yeah. I was playing volleyball and like Forget literally was just in this constant state of sweat and like had to stand like a scarecrow almost. Like I didn't want to touch myself. It was so disgusting. My shirt, um, I took it off. Thursday night is when I played and then Monday when I was cleaning up my laundry that was on the floor to put in my dirty clothes basket uh, it was still wet that's how disgusting it was all right fine all right you win in the humidity but that makes sense for your climate that's all I'm saying okay <laughs> oh, literally she lives right next to the lake, you guys I live in the fucking mountains in the desert <laughs> with no water okay and fires I know. But I think of you because you were so miserable when you came to visit with the humidity. Like you enjoyed yourself, but you were like, oh, this humidity. How I was do you like, do oh, God, if you walk out and it, you, it slaps you. It slaps you mm-hmm. like a bitch. And it wasn't even face. that bad. It wasn't it even really, the worst. That it, it wasn't. Was. It wasn't that bad. But speaking not... of climate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I have to tell you. Um, so after we recorded our last episode, on climate change and sustainability. Um, It was actually a volleyball. And my friends have this bamboo, like they just planted it this year Mm -hmm. um, because they have like this backyard oasis. I'll try to find a picture of it to like share. But so the side that faces other houses um, cause we live in the country. So usually things are pretty far apart. So the, ho- the, the part of the yard that's closest to houses, they had planted bamboo. Well, so they had just planted it. It is taller than me. And I am like five foot nine. And I was like, and it gets windy out here and it is not messing up. And then I was like, did you guys know that? Like they grow like Aspen trees. Like that is like three plants probably right there. Not even. And that's why bamboo products are so sustainable because you can just chop that down and it'll just regrow so quickly. But then you don't all that, like all the rest of that. She was like, my friend Justice, like it's growing like weeds. I can't stop it. And I was like, yeah, that's why it's so good. Like think about how quick that grows back. So yes. And my bamboo toothbrushes came in today. Oh, you guys, because of our podcast, people are making changes. See, one person at a time. That's all it takes. I'm exactly. very proud of I you, thought, Michelle. And I shared the knowledge. Oh, totally. With people that I met. Oh, good. Great. I thought, I thought I, you I'm, would really appreciate that. I'm so happy and so proud of you. And, I really and I've been thinking. It. Oh, oh, and the other thing we did 
so before we had a track like you came up to my house we had a trash can that was by the like island and then okay. the, and then we had the recycling that was over like in between the living room and the kitchen mm-hmm. well robert never recycled because he it was just habitual to go to the trash can right so we both decided that we we bought a bigger trash can where it's half recycling and half trash and now he actually put stuff in the recycling he does this, he does i'm because robert was always giving me a hard time about that because i was hey i was like you have a recycling bin literally at the end of right the there. street yeah. and there's like trash cans and like all the and he was just like eh whatever but he yeah, works we in literally recycling have recycling bin. in like a half mile away yes yeah. Yes. Well, and he did, but it's like, I, don't, I think because it wasn't easy to do and like it was habitual for him to just use a trash can. So like, you know, he talks a lot of shit because he likes to give you a hard time. Um, this but like, is true. he really does want to do good. But so, yeah, I thought that. So two I, things have changed. Two things and two people have made a difference in their day to day habits. That's all it takes, you guys. Like we can... We can turn this boat around. Let's do it. All right. It's amazing. Oh, good. Yay. Yeah. So, okay. That makes fantastic. me very happy. Okay. So now we're going to segue into our topic for today, which is has nothing to do with sustainability oh, or oh. climate change. No, but we can talk about, you know, serial oh. killers when <clears throat> they are recycling, they should be a little worried because their DNA is getting on the recycled stuff. And then when they put it at the end of their driveway, it becomes, or when they put it in the trash, it becomes public property. And then it can be picked up and DNA can be used to catch a killer. Bam! Oh! We are serial killers. We tied it together so lovely, folks. <laughs> okay. All right. I love it. Um, also, I feel like we need to tell the listeners that Michelle and I are actually real life life crime crime fighters yes it it was a community effort it was all women it just happened to be all women but it just it was so empowering it was amazing we were it was michelle's birthday and we were in ohio and medina downtown and we were just minding our own business in a uh froyo shop and this woman comes in and um is very upset and she says that she saw a a child wanted man wanted man yeah. on the street and that we need to call the cops um, because yeah he was a child she said child molester right but he, he was groping underage i don't know like if that makes him a child mol- i don't i don't i don't really know the terms but yes he he it is confirmed he was groping underage people in like target walmart parking lot in, in public yeah totally yeah. just in he would just walk up to them and so he was where he was totally sketch we saw him, so we heard this. And don't so worry. we walked outside. We were very safe, visual. very safe about it, and we were not obvious at all. Okay, we were Mm-mm. just eating our froyo, but eyes on the on the on the prize the whole time. He walks and all the way I down. Took a picture. I took a picture of That's you right. and Liz. You did because and he was coincidentally in the background. That's true, and he kind of knew he kind of put his head down in the in the picture but you could see what he was wearing and what he was wearing was exactly what was described to to be his like last scene 
wearing he was wearing like a tank top and with the same and like an arrow arrow shirt or something like that and like it it was the same as the wanted poster that our local police department put on facebook so yeah so because they posted this on facebook the community saw it and they were looking out and then they just happened to see him walking by and we we helped we saw him get arrested by the police um yeah so we because we like wait so the chick was inside and visually shaken and like uh she her and like the two young girls working at the froyo shop oh they were teenagers yeah yeah and that's and they the were like was... they didn't know what to do yeah that, that oh. was his target target audience if you totally. will totally that's not the appropriate words but like no and he yeah so they were like freaking out a little bit and we're like all right you guys call the cops we'll we'll keep an eye on him and we did we were able to keep a visual on him until we saw a cop approach him and we did not leave the scene until he was in handcuffs Mm -hmm. and walking to the police car and it was so funny because we had to walk by the police car that he was in to get our car (laughs) we we did so we we literally got to see him in the police car and they were driving back down to the station um but it was just like the the way that humans can come together so quickly in a time of of crisis in a time of you know social injustice is really powerful and it's really awesome and we actually got to be a part of that and it was it was it was very cool that we could make sure that this man was put behind bars because that's not cool like you don't yeah you don't go up and molest you know women it was like felon it was they were felonies. Like Definitely I, I know there were felonious, felonious charges, which is fantastic. And but he was apprehended, and we did our job, and it was awesome because we got to yes. be crime fighters. It was yes. the best birthday present the world could have given me. It, I had my literally. two best friends. Yep, and we were eating froyo. To- I mean, and yeah. We got to fight crime while eating froyo. Mm-hmm. And then we went and it was like a, a beautiful day. And it was perfect. So- <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> like I, the day could not have been better, I don't think. So yes, Michelle gets to wow us today with her freakish knowledge of true crime and serial killers. Specifically, there's a certain few that are her favorites um, that we're gonna dive down into. Favorites is like my least, like I am most intrigued by that. Okay. The most intriguing serial killer is like, Michelle's parent, in Michelle's opinion. Yeah, because I just like I don't want to glamorize them if that makes sense. Like, I because I like the the psychology of it all. Yes, I really like how, not like how they think, but I'm very intrigued on how they think, and I think it's because like we'll talk about what it means to be a psychopath, sociopath, mm-hmm. have antisocial personality disorder, but like for me it is um like they're the exact opposite of me i literally care about everything they literally care about nothing uh, okay so what is true crime um and dictionary.com says that it is based on or describing an actual crime um and then i decided to be fun and like how much true crime really exists out there right like um I know that interests me personally. Yeah. Yes. I went on Spotify and I went to their podcasts and shows and I just typed in true crime. I counted 150 podcasts and then I gave up. So there's more than 150 podcasts that are true crime based or like that's their theme. 
Um, and then I went on Netflix and I did the exact same thing. I just searched true crime and 21 shows popped up. Okay. So that so- is like a good amount of our live lives are like consumed in true crime. I would say so. Um, and it's gained in popularity, I would say, in just the past maybe five to 10 years. Um, or do you so- have a... You have I details. do. I have, okay. I have some, some stats on that. So I um, found this article and it's, it'll be linked in the show notes, but it is the most interesting read. And I'm reading a book about deaths on Mount Katahdin right now. And this was more interesting to me. Um, and they're both very interesting. But so it's from the U.S. Department of Justice and it's an FBI article about serial murder multidisciplinary multidisciplinary perspectives for investigators and it's for the behavioral analysis unit so if you watch um criminal minds uh, criminal minds yeah they're the behavioral you guys they just i just watched it you know psa for everybody my first time watching it was with michelle and liz in ohio um, and we watched just like one episode, but I, I can see the allure there. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to add to the end, like most favorite uh, true crime shows, podcast things, and we can share at the end. How does that sound? Perfect. I love mm, that. I got so, I got so oh, I'm Michelle has like a whole bunch. So you true crime folks, you stay tuned for the it. notes um though like for a long time that's all i read because it was the only thing that interested me but so funny enough like my the the books that got me back into reading after college so like i never read in high school i hated reading i got into some reading in college and then when i graduated i kind of was like i'm over reading like i'm just gonna go party and have fun and then the books that got me back into it were the hannibal series Mm -hmm. so according to the fbi article though so it, it's going to tie back together because that the silence of the lambs was something that they attributed to a rise in true crime. Okay. Like fandom. Got um, it. So the first documented research was in Europe in the 19th century by Dr. Richard von Kraft Imbing. I can't pronounce his name. It's fine. Um, <laughs> you did a good it job, was an, I think. Thanks. Yeah. I did my best. Um, so he like wrote some books and did some research about psychopathy which was pretty cool um and then i found the statistic that it's less than one percent of all murders that happen in a year are from a serial murderer so i'm also going to use the term serial murderer and serial killer interchangeably okay they mean the same thing that seems fair yep um so yeah so this is still all the fbi um so then they said public fascination began in the 1880s with Jack the Ripper in London. Ah, yes, Jack the, the Whitechapel murders. Yes. Um, and then was reignited in the 70s and 80s uh, with serial murder cases such as the Green River Killer, uh, which was Dennis Rader, I believe. And then Ted Bundy. Oh, no, BTK was Dennis Rader. Green River Killer was Ridgeway. Yeah. Uh, Ridgeway, Ted Bundy, and Dennis Rader, the BTK killer. Okay. Um, and then again in the 90s for silence of the lambs so like all of that kind of like people are all into it um so then i found a mental floss article and like so it's not really that like you know trustworthy of a site but it made a lot of sense to me um and so here are some reasons that they listed off 
about why people are so into true crime. Um, one of them is because evil fascinates people because there's always that constant battle of good versus evil. So yeah. people like to know what evil is. Because um, then maybe they can compare with themselves. I know yes. for me, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Like I'll be like, oh wait, I'm not like that. I don't. Yeah, I don't I'm not have- a bad person. Yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. And there, I, I'm pretty sure, and I didn't look this up; it just came to the top of my head. Um, I'm pretty sure there is a psychology like theory about all people needing to see themselves as a good person, so they'll like justify and stuff to make them good. So. Don't quote me on that one, but I'm pretty sure that's I've, a thing. I've heard this also. Um, so yeah. I know I know what you're talking about. And I, I believe that is correct. Um, then our favorite and why we're doing this podcast, because we want some insight into the psychology of the killer. Yes. We want to know what's happening um, in their brains and why they are the way they are. I think we also like answers. Um, yes. And we'll talk later that like there isn't a lot of answers when it comes to serial killers, but we've come a lot farther than we used to in understanding them um and what kind of things trigger or could lead to um serial murderous behaviors i guess okay um so then the other thing is the media and (laughs) one of the quotes was if it bleeds it leads and so it's all about the media getting their ratings. So if they talk about killing and, and murder and blood and they get higher ratings. So the that, media just plays into it. It makes sense because that's it more really exciting. Does. It's more exciting than just like. Well, and they play into our our desire to know, you know, right. right. Like I remember when it, and, uh investigation discovery was like just this little old like side channel that you kind of got sometimes if you had the right cable and now it's like it's whole it's its own thing like it has whole series and it it's everyone knows id like yes. it's just a thing the id network yep mm-hmm. yeah oh i freaking love investigation discovery my husband also is convinced that i'm going to murder him because i know so much about this stuff i promise you i won't no that i know of because i don't actually like to kill things no. So we'll just hire um, people to do that for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, jo- um, joking aside, joking is we're, we're yeah. not going to kill people. Okay. Not I just, I, I can't even like, I don't even want to go hunting with my husband. No, I couldn't kill another human. I don't even want to have like, way too much empathy, way too much empathy. I don't even want to use else. a gun. Like I, I have right. no desire to do that either. Yeah. Um, another reason is just like rubbernecking. Like, you're just, you can't stop watching a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just that, like, interest. You're you're just in there. Um, another one is feeling prepared. So you, people are into true crime because they want to be prepared if they get themselves in some situation. Okay. So maybe they, all right, I'm, don't worry. I've seen this before on the yes. television. I know what to do. Uh, no lie. That's one of the things that I... Yes. Um, there's also an evo- <laughs> an evolutionary benefit. So if people can see the um, signs about when something goes bad, then they can avoid it in the future. So it better preserves Prepare, themselves. Suppose, yeah. Right, right, right. Like natural preservation, self-preservation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I will be okay because I know how this 
I know, I know how, how to avoid this. Yeah. Yeah. I know how to avoid these situations. Like, like we wouldn't go next to a creepy van with no windows. No. Like in no, a sliding no. door. Like, no. I, like it's like a straight, like woman rule that Never. if your park, if your driver's side door is next to a van mm. that has a sliding door and no mm-hmm. windows, mm-hmm. you don't, don't go, go to your car. <laughs> like don't you just car. don't. Just don't or you go car. in the passenger seat and crawl over. Like yeah. you do not and lock approach. the doors. No, yeah. Cause that's straight, like that's straight. Um, I'm gonna steal you. Like I'm gonna kidnap you. Behave. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um oh, I'm gonna try not to burp. This beer is tasting really, really good. But it is a beer, so um it's, it's that I mean it's, it's bubbly. It's Friday night. Not that it matters because I feel like we should be able to do what we want every day as long as I, we're not hurting anybody. Right? I had beer last night as That's well. okay. I'm not judging you. I smoke pot every day of my life. All day, every day. You know that. Yep. Do I function um, as a human though? Yes, I do. Yes. And so do you. So whatever. That's all that matters. Yeah. Okay. Cheers so what to is, that. Cheers. Right, so then... um feeling relief that we're not the victim so there's like always that like huh i'm safe that relief feeling that it's okay you're okay um you know and another one is relief you're not the perpetrator so you're also thankful like kind of that like i know i'm good like that justification kind of that same idea um we like adrenaline rushes so it's like a Con- so the other reason is controlled fear but they, i think they go hand in hand so right. you're like riding a roller coaster you give yourself that adrenaline rush but it's controlled and you know the outcome so when you're watching a show you get that same adrenaline rush but you get to then find some sort of outcome or some sort of solution to the event which like eases your mind um because you're not actually also- in that situation in right exactly that would be um, completely and- different Oh my God. So much different. So much different. But again, that goes into the feeling prepared. But if I am in that situation, I'll know what to do. Like, so it all kind of plays together. I know, but then I know I could go off on a side tangent here and I won't. So keep, I know. Well, we'll, we'll go into the talking head phenomenon in a second. So the other thing is just like solving a mystery, like clue, like the game of clue. You just like to be able to solve the mystery. So you want to watch like, um, you know, those investigation discovery shows where it's like, they died, but who killed them? And then I know like Robert and I will go back and forth. Like it's the husband, it's always the husband or like, you know, it's that guy. Clearly it's that guy. Uh, Even when I watch Criminal Minds, I'm like, all right, who's the murderer? Because it's just solving the mystery. I do like solving a mystery too. I So I read more, um, I would say I read more fiction fictionized versions of these types of stories so I really I like messed up books I don't Mm -hmm. like to watch it necessarily on I don't like scary movies you know gore doesn't bother me but if it it's something like um Michelle had me listen to this podcast and they were talking about incidences of things that happen like Mm man-made disasters and I watched a video and it terrified me but when I listened to it it was like not as scary because I didn't know what it actually looked like. And so in my mind, I was able to create this, this version 
of not actually knowing what it was, but knowing that it was still terrifying and horrible and like horrific. But then when I saw the image, I couldn't listen to the, I couldn't listen to it anymore either. Was it the second episode? It was the first episode about the Indiana Anna. Oh God. Yes. I forgot. That was the first one. Yeah. Oh God. So we're talking about the podcast Mark safe. I feel like we can give them a shout out because they're freaking amazing. Amazing. Um, yeah. Oh God. I know I was hooked from the beginning. It's so good. But yeah, I know I watched the video too. I find myself Googling a lot of stuff while listening to the episodes. Um, so I tend yes. not to listen to it while I drive or I like oh. make a note to Google it when I stop driving because it's a real big thing. But anyway, yeah. Like, so yeah, that's interesting that it's a visual, like you can't do the visual. I really enjoy the visuals, um, yeah. but I think I have a terrible imagination, I think. Um, okay. I don't think you have a terrible imagination. I think you think more linearly than I do. I think obviously that, that's very, very yeah, abstract. I'm definitely literal. <clears throat> I've also been um, told that I have very linear thinking. Li- linear. That's what I meant to say. Like literal yeah. and linear. And I'm like abstract and I, I'm very scattered and like spontaneous. And yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, I don't know, but I have gotten really into like some psychological thrillers this year and mm, I'm killing some books. Um, next up after this Mount Katahdin book, um, I'm going on to a psychological thriller. I'm really excited, but anyway, so going back to that, like adrenaline rush and that controlled fear and then going into like, well, I'll know what to do. Um, so there's something called the talking head phenomenon. Hmm. So this is like people that the media will get that like are self-proclaimed experts or have gone to school. So they have knowledge. I'm using air quotes about, uh, (laughs) motive and characteristics of the offender when really they have like little to no expertise in the matter. Okay. Um, So like that tends to give people false information and tends to let people think that they know more than they really do. On that same note though, like you can, like, I think if you're in a bad situation, you're going to try everything that you know to get out of it. Right. But fight or flight might, you know, if you, if you go into your amygdala and your fight or flight takes over, you really don't know what's going to happen in, in that kind of situation. Yeah. You don't know how you're going to react. You don't know how you're going to react. I just uh, think of that meme. That's like, well, if I ever get abducted by a serial killer or abducted and killed by a serial killer, at least, you know, that I'll die doing what I love. <laughs> <laughs> no, for, uh, yeah. Uh, at the eulogy. Well, she really wanted to get to know what what the psychology was behind, and she learned first. I do not doubt she asked him all of the questions. <laughs> or there's like that that one that's like, um, you get abducted and you're brought back because, and mine would be like, <laughs> because I didn't stop asking him questions yeah. about them and their childhood and their yeah. um, personal affect. Made it like, made it into like a a psycho a, a psych yeah. session. So. Like, Tell, Tell me, me about, about your you. childhood. Mm-hmm. So why me, do you think? <laughs> like, 
why did you go to this location? Did you really think that was the smartest? Like I could see how, yeah, it was secluded. Like I would totally go into all that. Like, I, <laughs> oh my God, it would be so bad. Um, You're right. There'd, he'd be like, just, okay, just leave. If I just, just don't leave, tell you right? and I tell you all my secrets, can you just leave me alone? All right, right? please. <laughs> Or like he's going to try to turn me into his accomplice. Like, I feel like that might happen too. Oh, yeah. He's like, you've got a lot of knowledge. I like, can use hmm, you. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah. But then I would be figuring out what makes him. And I say him because the statistics, I don't have them exactly in front of me, but I know it is higher male than female. Although there are still plenty of female serial killers. So I just say him by default. But what makes a serial killer a serial killer um so i came across in that uh fbi article um about myths of serial killers Ooh, okay and i thought it was pretty cool um so myth number one is that serial killers are dysfunctional loners okay. and many serial killers hide in plain sight um and they have functional lives like you would never know that they're a serial killer um, some examples are Robert Yates, who killed 17 prostitutes in Spokane, Washington in the 1990s. He was married and had five children's children, lived in a middle class neighborhood and was a decorated U.S. Army National Guard helicopter pilot. Um, are you serious? Yep. Um, he buried one of his victims in his yard beneath My his bedroom window. Like, yeah. like a maybe like a trophy yeah like, so like, like a reminder he, he no one would have known he is a veteran and totally and a serial killer um another one is yeah i told you it was ridgeway the green river killer gary ridgeway uh confessed to killing 48 women over a 20 year time period in seattle washington he had been married three times and was still married at the time of his arrest. He was employed as a truck painter for 32 years, attended church regularly, read the Bible at home and at work, and talked about religion with coworkers. Ridgway also frequently picked up prostitutes and had sex with them throughout his time period in which he was killing. Oh, lovely. Okay. Gotta love those secrets. Um, so the second myth is that, oh, 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 gosh, no. Go back. Uh, BTK, Dennis Rader, killed 10 people in Wichita, Kansas. Um, he was married with two children and was a Boy Scout leader and served honorably in the U.S. Air Force and was employed as a local government official and president of his church. Um, I'm not to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. None of those facts make me feel any less like they wouldn't be serial killers i'm just <laughs> just gonna throw that out there you know fair but just like you go to church and you're in the government and you're a veteran i i don't think that that rules you out you know what i mean like you're but married to many people it does and they think like so i'll talk about jeffrey dahmer later but he is somebody who like fits that like dysfunctional recluse type of person mm -hmm. okay but there are like statistically there are more serial killers who are hidden in plain sight who i have could, very functional put yeah. air quotes put together lives because they're they're obviously sociopaths right and they can just function in society 
Maybe. We're going to talk about that. They are considered psychopaths. psychopaths. We'll talk about the difference. Oh. We'll talk about the difference between psychopath, sociopath, and antisocial personality disorder. <sighs> it's coming. Yay. I'm so excited. Okay, but let's keep talking about these myths because I these are very interesting. But um, okay, but, yeah. serial killers are all white males. Okay. False, because all the race racial diversification mirrors that of the U.S. population. So. It's, okay. it's it's relational to what our population is like normally. Um, so there are five uh, examples here. There is Charles, I think it's Nguyen when it's NG. Mm-hmm. I can't, I think I it's think Nguyen. So. A native of Hong Kong, China, killed numerous victims in Northern California in concert with Robert Lake. Um. So Todd, Derek Todd Lee, an African-American, killed at least six women in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, I'm going to add another one on here. Anthony Sowell in Cleveland. Uh, I don't remember what his actual, uh, what his number was. We'll talk about it later. He's in my notes. Um, he killed, hold on, I'm going to get there. Anthony Sowell. Oh, I just have when he was apprehended. Uh, I think it was like seven or nine prostitutes or women okay. in Cleveland he was african-american okay um coral eugene watts an african-american killed five victims in michigan um rafael resendez ramirez a native of mexico murdered nine people in kentucky texas and illinois before turning himself in and then rory conde a colombian native was responsible for six prostitute homicides in miami florida so right. I just gave you six examples of right. non-white serial killers. Um, the next myth is that serial killers are only motivated by sex. Um, and that is also one giant myth because, so I'll talk more about these again also later. Um, anger, thrill, financial gain, and attention seeking are other motives. Okay. Um, I could probably go into all of the motives. Um. Yeah, I'm just going to do that. I'm going to tell you motivations of a serial killer. So anger, displaying rage or hostility toward a certain subgroup or society as a whole. Criminal enterprise, meaning it benefits in status or monetary compensation related to drug gang or organized crime. Financial gain, so it benefits them monetarily killing. So think about like black widows. Um, ideology. So they're the ones who are killing in order to further a goal or idea. And a lot of examples that I see on like TV are like people who kill prostitutes because they're trying to clean up the streets. Like that's an ideology based serial killer. Uh, That's their motive. So power thrill. So they want to feel empowered or excited. Psychosis, because they actually have a mental illness, um, like a hallucination or delusion that is motivating them to kill and then there is sexually based, which is sexual need or desire, but that is not all of them as I just listed. Um, so those examples, uh, oh, the Washington DC snipers, John Allen Muhammad and Lee Boyd Malvo, they killed for anger and thrill um, and shot 13 victims, killing 10 of them. Um, Michael Swango, Dr. Michael Swango was a former U.S. Marine 
and he was convicted of four murders in New York and Ohio, although he is suspected of poisoning and killing 35 to 50 people throughout his, the United States and in Africa. And wow. his motivation was intrinsic and never fully identified. Uh, he kept a scrapbook filled with newspaper and magazine clippings about natural disasters in which many people were killed. So he might have just had a, uh, like the thrill and excitement of yeah. killing. That's, it sounds like he, if he kept a scrapbook, yeah, that was something yeah. that he was super interested in. But he, he was had... rubbernecking on it, essentially. Like he got thrill and excitement from watching it happen. Um, and then Paul Reed killed at least seven people in a fast food in during fast food restaurant robberies in Tennessee. And um, he was focused on witness elimination. So financial gain. And then he killed people because he didn't want witnesses. That makes sense too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the other myth is all serial murderers travel and operate interstate. Okay. Um, like meaning they travel state cross state lines and all that. Right. Um, but most have to find have a defined geographic operation area, otherwise known as a co comfort zone. And um, it's usually focalized by an anchor point. So like where they live, where they work or okay. other such um, like anchor points, very important places in their lives. Okay. Um, and really the only time they leave their comfort zone is when they are they've gotten so confident that they're not going to get caught that they get a little cocky get cocky. Um, mm -hmm. Or, and so, or to avoid detection, like if people are getting really close, then they leave to okay. it's self-preservation at that point. Um, yes. And then those who do travel the interstate are usually uh, just people who frequently move from place to place. So that's kind of just their lifestyle. Okay. Uh, transient homeless people, Mm -hmm. um, who become serial killers or individuals who may have employment that lends itself to interstate or transnational travel. So like a truck driver or yeah. military, something where they're frequently going to be. Those right. are because then their comfort zone kind of travels with them. Because they're used to it. That's part of their yeah. comfort is yes. moving to different places. Yeah. Right. Um, so usually serial killers stay within a comfort zone. Um, the other one is serial killers cannot stop killing. Um, that is not true because there are circumstances or events in an offender's lives that will inhibit them from pursuing more victims. And, um, the examples are BTK or otherwise known as Dennis Rader, who murdered 10 victims from 1974 to 1991. He did not kill any other victims prior to being captured in 2005. So he went from 1991 to 2005. Um, and it was because he admitted to engaging in autoerotic activities as a substitute for his killing. So that was pretty interesting. So like he found something to do that filled that need. Okay. Okay. So he didn't have to kill that. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and then Jeffrey Gorton killed his first victim in 1986 and then did not kill his next victim until 1991 and then did not kill any other victims after that and Gorton engaged in cross-dressing and mas masturbatory like masturbating yeah. activities um, as well as consensual sex with his wife in the interim okay 
All right. So so serial killers can indeed stop killing um, if they find something that takes up their time. Um, so they have no desire to kill anymore or it fills the need. It fills their motivation to, to mm-hmm. kill, right? Fills yep. one of those motivators or multiple motivators. And then all serial killers are insane or are evil geniuses. So they're either crazy or crazy smart. And um, serial killers suffer from a variety of personality disorders, but are not considered insane under the law, which I thought was a very interesting fact. Hmm. Um, And their intelligences range from borderline, so like very low intelligence, to Hmm. above average. Okay, so... So there, there's no, there's no like IQ that's like, yep, you're more likely to be a serial killer with this. Nope, nothing. Okay. Um, and then the last one is that serial killers want to get caught. Oh God, I hear that so often. And I'm like, who would want to get caught? Like, self preservation. Hey. No one wants to get caught. No. Like, uh, so yeah. Um, new killers are inexperienced. Um, and so as they kill more, they gain experience and confidence with each new offense. Um, so they go from making a lot of mistakes to making less mistakes. Um, so that prevents them from getting caught. But then they usually mess up when they get too cocky and they feel like they can't get caught. So that's when they're going to make a mistake that is going to get them caught. So it's not that they wanted to. It's that they were so cocky. They didn't think that authorities would find it. Right, because they had gotten away with so much before that they're just... Yeah, like, th- they essentially just get a huge head, and, yeah. Um, so then I found the definition of a serial murderer, also from the FBI article. Um, I suppose I should have, like, said this first, huh? That's okay. It's a little out It's of okay. I don't think it needs to be in order. I think these are all very interesting facts and it's all relevant. Um, well, and you know that I struggled with this art with this because there's so much information. I love it so much and it intrigues me so much that I couldn't compose thoughts. So the fact that I even got everything condensed into like a flow is positive. It really <laughs> is. And I, I'm yeah. very, yeah, I was very happy to see the notes and to see where, where everything was going. And I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm excited to talk about it. I know. As I texted you last night, like, uh, what do you think? I don't know what to write about. <laughs> like, well, that's why the importance of different perspectives, right? And that's why mm-hmm. having having a network of people and, and connections that you can rely on when you're not feeling as inspired or you need right you you have out of the crazy yeah direction so much that you just need to pinpoint it you need to direct it into to certain conclusions right yeah or so well so this fbi article really helped me a lot um because it seems like a very interesting oh my god it was so good um so so the article is really it came about from a group of people from all different backgrounds um who have knowledge into serial killers so there were like fbi agents there were um professors like it, it's an array of people they're all listed in like one of the indexes or the appendix appendices mm-hmm. in the article um so 
so they defined the consensus. So they were a serial killer symposium is what it was called. So cool. just I like the I symposium. Like the Me too. SKS. Uh, the consensus of the symposium was to create a simple but broad definition designed for use primarily by law enforcement. So their whole goal was to help law enforcement better understand serial killers um, and get some of those myths and stuff out of the way so they can better catch serial killers. Okay. Um, so they define serial murder as the unlawful killing of two or more victims by the same offender or offenders in separate events. So they really wanted to separate it from mass murderers. So okay. serial murderers kill multiple, two or more people in separate events. Uh, I got where it. Mass murderer kills multiple people in one event. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so they, that um, there's often a like something called the cooling down period, which used like is in kind of the broader definition is that there has to be a cooling off period, which is just what defines those two separate events because there are mass murderers who will, um, you know, like kill a bunch of people in a location and then go to their home and kill their family. And so although those are two separate events, Mommy. they're... Mommy. <laughs> They're still considered a mass murder mass. because yeah, it's it was one... the same event of stream of consciousness. The person, that... yes, exactly, stream of consciousness. I think that's okay. a great, a great um, example. Um, yeah. So, and that uh, the crimemuseum.org talked about like how serial murderers are often displaying a sense of dominance or power or control over another person but like not to be confused with like motivation but just like that they have some sort of power dominance or control over another person okay good i want to i was going to ask about that so i'm glad you you just said yeah. that um so i'm going to talk about some of the psychology oh yes a serial killer a serial killer so Excellent. one of the things that they have is called the mc mcdonald triad okay um otherwise i've heard it called like the serial killer triad um so this information is from wikipedia but i also just i knew enough about it i just need to find a resource that like made sure that i had my information right um kind of like fact checking with a basic source i understand um, yes but so these are three factors with the presence of any two so Two out of three of these being indicators of a violent tendencies or serial offenses later in life. Okay. Okay. So one of them is cruelty to animals. Ooh. Um, so that usually ends with like hurting. Um, I know Jeffrey Dahmer um, was really interested in roadkill. So he would like pick up roadkill and dissect it. Um. Mm. I know Israel Keys, one of his examples was he, when he was, I want to say he was like 14 or something. And his, uh, he had his friend and like his siblings or something in the woods. Um, and he tied a cat to it. I should say a trigger warning. This is a trigger warning for sure. Cause I almost vomited like when I heard this story, um, he tied a cat to a tree and so it just kept going in circles and then he was shooting a BB gun at it and 
um, the catch essentially choked itself and was vomiting. And then his friend began to vomit and like his siblings were freaking out. Um, and then eventually he killed the cat. Um, so like that is an example of animal cruelty. Yeah, I would say. Um, and and like with Israel Keys, it was really interesting because that's when he said he knew that he was different and he learned to not do that behavior around other people. Because he oh learned gosh, that it was like it was not they had yeah, they had negative reactions to it. So he's like, Oh, I guess this is just something I do by myself then. Because he had no reaction to it. He thought it was funny. In fact, he left. Yes. Okay. Great. So there's some examples of cruelty to animals. So Israel Keys was like straight, like, oh, like he wanted to hurt it. Like he found it funny. Something else was hurting. Jeffrey Dahmer was definitely more of a like intrigue. Like, and so as I when I talk about him later, like he was just more interested in what an animal was like in the inside right that right because if it's already like dead, his was animal, more scientific yeah. right because the animal is already dead and he's just dissecting it like we used to yeah. do that in science class you know like i was yeah in but it's like just really weird to go find a, a roadkill i mean but i guess whatever floats your boat that was when he was in ohio um and <laughs> let me just tell you that where he lived in ohio was a bunch of country roads and there's a lot of roadkill yeah um i can imagine so another one is obsession with fire setting to the point where they are like low-key oh. arsonists mm. mm-hmm. um and then bedwetting past the age of five otherwise known as enuresis which is the unintentional bedwetting during sleep persistent after the age of five well shit Michelle, I have to tell you that I have some of these um, traits. Uh-oh. Um, I never killed an animal, but I definitely used to be mean to my cat, Cassie, when I was a kid. And I did some weird things as a child that I'm not proud of. Well, maybe and- you should talk to your therapist about that. <laughs> I don't think I'm a psycho killer. I mean, no, and and they didn't say any, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a psycho killer. It just said that either they're indicators of violent tendencies or serial offenses. No, I never, I do like fire, but not like to the point where I'm I don't think in the arson. Yeah. No. Um, I know of someone with like um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder Mm -hmm. who is very obsessed with fire and it's interesting to see the interest in fire versus obsession with Mm. fire Mm. like this individual can tell me well he he used to be able to tell me every house that had caught fire on the hour ride from their home to their school Wow! every building that had caught fire that is an obsession with yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a whole. So I hope that thing. makes you feel better. It does. Um, I, didn't, I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that information. Yeah. So yeah, the McDonald triad or the serial killer triad. Yes. So that usually happens young, and those are just okay. indicators. Doesn't mean that it will happen. Okay. Just like that's concerning, and you should keep an eye on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
because (laughs) all people, all beings are a product of their hereditary, like heredity. Yes. Upbringing and and choices they make throughout development. Right. Um, And, and they, the serial killer symposium kind of defined development from the time you're born to the time you die. Like you're kind of always developing because mm-hmm. although like your body stops developing, your brain is constantly developing. Like you're right. constantly learning. Your, so it all counts. Um, so they are unable to identify all the factors that influence an individual to become a serial murderer because of hereditary factors and upbringing and choices. Like there's so much discrepancy. Like there's no way to check boxes like right. did this happen to you when you were five like who knows you know right and most who who remember like i don't even know if i can remember a time when i was five years old i feel right. like my i feel like my last memories were probably when i was like six six or yeah, seven like your and- stream of consciousness comes like what who knows so and like some of this stuff can just be like subconscious like you don't even realize that it was a triggering event right right or it's or it's buried in your mind like literally Mm -hmm. that happens with trauma all the time you know i had some very traumatic stuff come out in therapy after years of repressing it and then i was just like holy shit like my mind literally just kept that in a box for me like how yeah that's very handy because then when i was ready to process it it released it and it was like hey you need to see this you know like I think it's disassociative identity disorder is a mental health disorder that um, comes about where people have different identities. Literally, they're called alters. Um, And we'll talk about it in a mental health episode, I'm sure. Um, But they usually stem from traumatic events. So a lot of it's like sexual abuse or something. Mm -hmm. So while the person's enduring that sexual abuse, they kind of disassociate and become a different person to deal with the trauma that's happening at the time. So yeah, like so much things, your brain does so many things to heal itself and protect itself. And self-preservation, exactly Mm -hmm. what you're talking about. It's all about self-preservation. Because if if we knew about that, when the trauma happened, we probably wouldn't be able to cope. And we wouldn't be able to like survive and do what's necessary to get out of that situation or to endure the situation or whatever. Exactly. Well, and so that's like, so some of the things that they listed, one of them is in some individuals, the failure to develop adequate coping mechanisms can result Mm -hmm. in violent behavior. So Mm -hmm. if they don't learn how to express that they're angry. Yes. They'll come up with what we used to call in the disability world was a maladaptive behavior. Okay. Um, which means that it's just, it's not socially acceptable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so that can escalate to violence. Um, neglect and abuse in childhood have been shown to contribute to an increased risk of future violence. Substance abuse can and does lead to increased aggression and violence. Severe head injuries, mm-hmm. uh, otherwise known as traumatic brain injuries. Um, can take someone who had zero tendencies for violence and, and turn them into a very violent person. Um, I forget what the, it's like CVF or whatever, football players get it. Mm-hmm, they had, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the um, thing about Aaron Hernandez on Netflix. 
oh my god it was so good but they talked about that like that was one of their theories is that he had a series of brain injuries from playing football that turned him into have violent tendencies Uh, yeah which is very interesting yes um but it's there are no specific traits or characteristics that show a predisposition to serial killing in the end okay so it really probably is just a combination of all of those things together Mm -hmm. um you know they say it's like 50 percent genetics 30 percent nature and 20 percent nurture or something like that of when you're in your first your first five years like of of development uh, yeah development um and that's where you get like most of how you see the world and a lot of your coping mechanisms and well uh, so i i think it it's really interesting that you kind of bring that up because so i did a lot of research and i still struggle with the difference between psychopathy and sociopathy like what is a sociopath and what is a psychopath Yes. And what makes them different? And are they the same or are they? Because I know at one time I was told that it's just how like psychologists see them as psychopaths where sociologists see them as sociopaths. But Ah. in my research, I learned that it is there is a difference. There is a difference. Okay. So. I'm going to teach you about these things. So what I can tell you is that antisocial personality disorder is the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. Um, That's what like uh, psychiatrists and stuff, psychiatrists used to um, diagnose people with mental health, mental disorders. Um, So antisocial personality disorder is the DSM for race. Okay. For um, like, uh, we'll go into it a little bit more, but that's the technical diagnostic phrase. Okay. Um, so I found this article and really I could only find like the abstract of it. And usually like you can download it and they might ask you to pay. And if it was only a few bucks, I like would have paid for it. But this one is like a journal that you can only go to a library. And I was not about to drive up to Cleveland State, which is the closest library that had this journal. Hey, guys, it's Michelle. We decided to make this a two-parter. After listening to the recording, it was like two hours long. And ain't nobody got time for that. Apparently, I know way too much about serial killers and can talk to them about them for way too long. And that's just too much for one episode. So go ahead and listen next month. And you'll hear part two of True Crime and Serial Killers. Hiya, Janine here. Thank you so much for listening to Unlimited Growability Conversations. Be sure to subscribe, follow, and share on whichever platform you are listening on so you don't miss out on future conversations around our proverbial campfire. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Unlimited Growability, or you can email us at unlimitedgrowability at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, unlimitedgrowability.com, where all of our podcast episodes are linked, as well as the corresponding blog posts. Let's keep this conversation going. Until next time, stay safe out there.